Section 15 of Mark Twain in the New York Times, Part 3, 1890-1899. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by John Greenman. November 12, 1893. Mark Twain at dinner. The guest of honor in the Lotos Club's new house. The famous American humorist, greeted by many well-known people. Witty references by Charles Dudley Warner, Charles A. Dana, Seth Lowe, Richard Watson Gilder, and others. The guest praised for his love of the United States, Mr. Clemens, two speeches. The Lotos Club gave its first dinner in its new home on Fifth Avenue near 45th Street last evening. Samuel L. Clemens, Mark Twain, was the guest of honor. The dinner was a notable event, and it brought together a large gathering of well-known men. Besides Mr. Clemens, there were seated at the head of the table William Dean Howells, Charles Dudley Warner, John Hay, Richard Watson Gilder, General Horace Porter, Charles A. Dana, Andrew Carnegie, Edmund Clarence Stedman, James Brisbane Walker, Seth Lowe, and St. Clair McElway. In addition to these were nearly two hundred other men well known in social, business, literary, and artistic circles. After the dinner, humor, jollity, and good comradeship held undisputed sway. President Lawrence introduced, to use a formal expression, the guest of the evening with a few witty and well-chosen allusions. Mark Twain needed no introduction, however. He made two speeches abounding with his quaint and inimitable humor. Almost every sentence was punctuated with spontaneous laughter and applause. The other speakers made Mr. Clemens the target of many a jest and joke, which were appreciated by none more keenly than by the famous writer himself. "'I have seldom in my lifetime,' said Mr. Clemens, "'listened to compliments more felicitous, nor praise so well bestowed. I return thanks for them from a full heart and appreciative spirit, and I will say in self-defense that while I am charged with having no reverence for anything, I have a reverence for a man who can say such things as your genial president. And I also have a reverence, deep and sincere, for a club that can confer upon one so confessedly deserving such distinguished tribute of respect. To be the chief guest on an occasion like this is something to be envied, and if I read human nature correctly tonight, I am envied. I am glad to see a club in these palatial quarters. I knew it twenty years ago when it was in a stable, and later when it was in a respectable house, but nothing so fine as this. I am glad to see it is renewing its youth, and I hope it may be continued to the end, and I hope I shall be there. When I was studying for the ministry, 
there were two or three things that attracted my attention one was that unfortunate procedure that was introduced with the first banquet recorded in history and which has been universally followed down to this present moment i refer to the annoying custom of making the guest of the evening hop on his feet first in the first banquet recorded in history that other prodigal son who had come back from his travels as i have done was notified to stand up and say his say that was unfair if he had been left alone until his brethren david goliah and the rest of em had spoken and if he had had as much experience as i he would have declined we know what happened he gave himself away i am afraid i shall give myself away if i go on my history is plenty well enough known already i never wish to add anything to it now that you know how i feel about this matter i will sit down and give the others a chance if they talk too much then i will get up and deny it ever happened besides i don't feel well enough to talk any more i have been in training with the democratic party and the events of last tuesday have sort of undermined my political health you can imagine i don't feel very robust i feel as i do when i see one of those weak-minded young ladies with an extra charge of poetic soul towing a pup around the street when i translate that pup's feelings i feel that in that pup is concentrated the democratic party that ought to be a good excuse now if i may beg your permission i would rather sit down and wait until i find out whether i am a prodigal or a fatted calf charles w warner was next introduced he spoke in a happy vein about the reputation which mark twain has acquired in every part of the civilized and uncivilized world after many chafing remarks mr warner reverted to serious talk for a few moments and said now underneath all this i have great respect and love for the man i am defending i believe there is no man of the ordinary sort that is known to so many people as mark twain and that there is none who is held in such friendly and warm-hearted recognition whether he is in italy india germany or england or whether he is among true-hearted americans he is always the same person the same cordial god bless you mark twain a telegram from henry irving was read as follows salutations and greetings to my old and honored friend mark twain and to the lotos club with its supreme good fellowship wish i could be with you charles a dana expressed his satisfaction at being able to pay tribute of affection and esteem to the guest of the evening he said 
never have we had from him any word or any suggestion that was not purely and heartily american there are those to-day who seem to think it the right thing to do to turn their backs upon the stars and stripes but mark twain is not one of those and i judge from the light that sparkles in your eyes as i gaze upon you that all the lotos club is first and always american for that we say to mark twain god bless you and we will always carry you in our hearts seth lowe was the next speaker he referred humorously to the political events of the last few days and said that while all new york knew that what they saw in the sun was so he had not been able to find anything in that newspaper that would lead him to believe that there had been an election st clair mcelway made a witty defense of brooklyn and rejoiced at the vindication of right at the last election he said that he expected many new yorkers to move to brooklyn now and that some brooklyn people would migrate to new york en route for a climate further up the river he told many humorous stories about mark twain which occasioned roars of laughter general horace porter followed in another brilliant speech there were again loud calls for mark twain and he responded as follows i don't see that i have a great deal to explain away i have got off very easily indeed uh, considering the opportunities these gentlemen have had neither mr warner nor president lowe said anything that i can object to but i never heard so many uh, lies as mr mcelway told you i consider myself a pretty capable liar but when he got through i was more than gratified to see how many things he had not found out mark twain then became samuel l clemens and he spoke seriously and feelingly about what had been said of his americanism i have been on the continent two and a half years and have met many americans there i tell you it is very gratifying that wherever you find americans in europe they have in almost all cases preserved their americanism the american abroad likes to see the flag of his country he likes to see the stars and stripes fluttering proudly in the breeze in those two and a half years I met only one American lady to be ashamed of. That is a very good record. That woman glorified monarchical institutions and lauded titles of nobility. She kept on until it was plain to me that she had forgotten such a country as the United States and such a flag as our flag. Finally, when I could stand it no longer, I said, We have at least one merit. We are not as China is. The lady replied that she would like to know what the difference was. I answered, China forbids a dissatisfied citizen to leave the country. We don't. 
I was born a mugwump, and I shall probably die a mugwump. This election merely proves what I have contended abroad. I have said there that when Europe gets a ruler lodged in her gullet, there is no help for it but a bloody revolution. Here we go and get a great big emetical ballot and heave it up. Richard Watson Gilder, the editor of the Century, was the last speaker. He spoke briefly, but with quaint humor. End of section 15, November 12, 1893, Mark Twain at Dinner, read by John Greenman.